Living Spanglish Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vero Fuerte, and up here with me in person, the one and only Ricardo Mexicano. Say hi to the people, Ricardo. I can't believe it. I know. It's finally happened. We're finally in the same room again. This is a momentous moment, human beings, because I have finally made the move. Uh, so we are both up here in Fort Worth doing the thing. What's up, everybody, by the way? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. We can talk about me later. Say hi, Rika. Yeah, yeah. No, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's all I wanted to say. Uh, well, so I finally made the move. We're up here in Fort Worth. Uh, we're up here doing the thing, uh, making moves, you know, trying to get all these different things and projects off the ground. And I'm really excited to be here with you, Ricardo. So I, it's so funny because with this podcast now, I, I'll, t- I'll be honest, the one concern that I've had is like now that we are roommates, whenever we ask each other, oh, uh, what's been going on with you on the podcast? Like how honest we can be with that? Because honestly, like we're around each other like 70% of the time. But I'll ask you anyway, what's going on with you, Ricardo? Uh, Work. Uh, working from home, um, you know, just the the in, ins and outs of my life. You know, I mean, you can you can just by the few days that you've been here, you can tell that I'm very very chill. You're very, very, very routine oriented. Very like, relaxed, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. very routine. I'm very la- I'm very relaxed. I like to pretty much do the same thing almost every day. You know, and that's what really makes me happy. You know. Yeah, and yeah. by the same things, uh, mi gente, he means. Uh, get up, drink, wake up, drink, and then like the rest of the time watch anime and conspiracy theories videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So drink coffee too, by the way. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Coffee. Not, get your mind's out of the gutters, human beings. I'm not over. I'm not over here like just chugging, chugging alcohol like as soon mm-hmm. as I wake up. Mm-hmm. At least not until we finish with this podcast, you guys. And that's a different story. At least, uh, at least for me, anyway. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. So what we have on the docket today for in living Spanglish is that we wanted to go ahead and uh, touch on um, the responsibilities of being a child of uh, immigrant parents. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's something that, like I said, most first generations go through. But I don't ever hear the familiar with. Yeah, that I'm that I'm familiar with, you know, firsthand. But I just feel like in just certain circles, it just never gets brought up, because I think it's I think for one, I think it's like this notion that when you have immigrant parents, you're supposed to like take care of them, and you're not supposed to let people know their situation, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because in their situation, you mean like they don't know Spanish, they they're not fully aware of the language, no, like no, no, like the law, oh, like that they're undocumented, and you don't want people to find out. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like instilled in you from early on, like, hey, don't let people outside of like the community Your inner circle. know, you know, that we're undocumented. We don't have our papers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's kind of almost inherently instilled, like, hey, you got to make sure that you, you watch can, out. You got to keep your shit on the download. Yeah. 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 So that's how I kind of interpreted growing up. And, it, and, I, and I didn't, uh, you know, kind of realize that until years later. But. And like I said, I think that's why these conversations never really get brought up. So for me, and like I said, for thousands of other people, um, I'm sure, you know, there are these, you know, tiny little things that go on, you know, that you don't really question or are really aware of until years later until you're able to analyze and realize like, hey, why was I doing that all the time? Mm-hmm. For my, like, why was I feeling on job application when I was seven? <laughs> you know, why was I translating a whole conversation from my mom at the at the clinic? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, why was I 
had to be the one to go, you know, pay for gas. Why were you the one that have to go back, dip inside back in McDonald's when they got your order wrong mm-hmm. and have to be the one to confront the cashier, yeah. you know, and look like the mean ass eight year old, you yeah. know, trying to get the hamburger right. Yeah, I said yeah. this is without ketchup. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and like, you know, talking to people dealing with like taxes, the water bills mm-hmm. or, you know, just all the things that, you know, a, a kid has no business of like really knowing. It helps. Don't get me wrong. It kind of helps to be exposed early on to it but you know you kind of sit back and think about it I'm like why am I over here or here having a conversation with somebody over the phone over about the water bill yeah you know? yeah why are you over here as like a nine-year-old uh talking with an insurance agent before you even really know what insurance is mm-hmm. you know I mean and that's just another aspect of how much in a lot of ways um ch- children of immigrants have to grow up so much faster than people who are traditionally from this country is the fact that we have had to maneuver and sort of help our parents out in a way that isn't really was immediately expected to us uh expected of us by our parents but mm-hmm. not necessarily by the rest of, so- of society exactly you know i could think of like countless occasions when i would have to go somewhere with my mom you know no matter what it was, just for the the sole, um, solely based on me needing to translate mm-hmm. a conversation. Yeah. What was the most embarrassing thing that like your parents ever made you translate though? Like for uh, real, uh, or uh, made you fill out that you're like, why, why, why am I doing this? Embarrassing. Yeah. Um. I don't think I, I don't think there was anything ever. Like, did your in, uncle ever make you like fill out a Pornhub account or no, anything crazy like no, that? No, no, my, my my people don't know how to use the computer. Oh, okay. No, 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 they do. No, okay, they do. fair, they do. fair, but, fair. But nah, not not nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I could think of anything embarrassing. I could think of like moments when I was frustrated, like mm-hmm. why am I doing this? You know, like main like job like job applications to me are like the worst because I just hated looking at them and it. And it, like, I hate like I said, job applications. And oh it prepa- gosh, but luckily, it kind of like prepared me to like once I was older and I started feeling myself. I already, you know, kind of knew the gist of what you need the rhythm and rhyme of the whole ship. Yeah, because yeah. I've been like feeling them out like every single year and like, oh man, what I hated. The- oh, I can tell you what I hated the most was filling out the freaking. Um, the tax information for when you have to enroll your kids in school. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to fill out those giant yeah, packets yeah, 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 for yeah. like free lunch. Yeah, I used to like have to fill that out for my dad. Uh huh. Fill that up and put like his, you know, his uh, his employer ID, mm-hmm. how much he made. Bro, oh my but like God, for real, man. for real though, like oh. you ever look at your parents sometimes because okay, so you ever look at your parents and say like okay, like moms, pops, like when you first got to this country, like I give you a pass, like the first five, six, seven years of my life, okay, like you get a pass. You don't know much English, you're still learning. What it is is that they just they don't want to they, like you ever look at your mom like ma, if you really wanted to you could you could fill no this all, out. All, all the time like no yeah I, it's I, like I, ma why am I still doing this no, like, you see me do it fifty seven times no I, 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 you know I, what your social is no I, I confront if they have a social uh, right, I, I, right, I, right, I confront right. um no I confront my, my mom all the time and be like I'm not feeling that out now now I'm that yeah because you like, know she can do it yourself and it's yeah. kind of like again it's kind of like that reverse thing where yeah. like parents would have to you know say oh I'm letting go of the bike or hey like uh 
teaching you how to potty train and stuff like no ma like I know you you know how to fill this out like I want to help you like I've helped you like 84 times before fill out this application yeah you know you know what you're doing and nowadays is you know because I don't really live with them and you know I'm I'm, you know I'm I'm gonna grow I'm I'm a grown adult I don't really have to deal with that anymore you know occasionally they'll still try to like slip slide something to me and be like Uh hey can you help me with this and I'm like can you help me with this and most of the time I'll say yes just because I'm like I hardly ever do it so I just don't understand why my mom sometimes doesn't get it now Days, it's more so this for mm, people who don't see me the cell phone it's the helping them out with the phone yeah and like really and like trying to like school my mom like mom i've showed you like six different times this is how you do it please yeah please learn it this is <laughs> it this makes is things you, so much easier this is how you make a ratchet ass me ma okay, i'm like this is a, this is your shopping cart okay this is the carreta this is where you put the ropa in all right mm-hmm. do not empty your cart all your stuff is gonna get out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know this is how you check out this is this is where you put in the credit card information. I'm For gonna real. cry, this please. Is, this is how you make a subtweet, mommy. Okay, yeah. pay attention. One no, more I will time. never. Sh- I will never show her that. <laughs> I'm not showing her any of that. Yeah, I will yeah, never yeah, expose yeah, her yeah. mom to any of that. If she finds that stuff out, she can. I'm no, showing my mom. I'm showing my mom basic stuff like how to write an email. Mm-hmm. I'm showing her like how to write an email. I'm showing her how you put in your payment information so you can order something off Macy's.com. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, the basic stuff that we automatically understand. Yeah. But because, you know, they have never experienced that, it's just, you know, it's new. Yeah. You know, it's all that. I think one of the one of the most saddest moments I think I can remember, this didn't really involve my parents, this involved so this this is probably gonna give away a little bit too much of like my family, but we had a lot of family members come in and out of our house, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know you know, they would, you know, yeah. stay here for a while and then, you know, but they they'd be family. And they would always stay in a in this little. It was pretty much like a, a garage. In the house behind the house, it was like a little garage apartment. Yeah. It was like gut. It used to be a garage, and we gutted it out and turned them into like rooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we you, you know my cousin and you know various people used to stay there. And there was this one time there was this. Uh, he wasn't family to us. He was just my dad's like I think, a lifelong friend, or I think maybe they were related in some weird off way, but. I remember one time he needed help um, filling out an application. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down, going to a room, and being like, oh, this is where you put this, 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 and this. Kind of like breaking down what they're asking for. Yeah. And then I kind of like slowly started handing it back to him. And then he like gave it back to me, and he's like, well, I don't know how to write. Mm. And that was like probably like me being like 12, 13, like, one of, like a very sobering moment where I'm like, oh, yeah. crap. He don't even know how to write. And it was him and his wife. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. Okay, I got I got it. Yeah. Because I was kind of getting mad, and I'm no. like, I got it. And uh, I'm like, did I got to write this down. Did he, question, uh, did he know how to write in English, or did he know how to uh, just not know how to write in English? He didn't know how to write at all. At all? At all. Yeah, that's how my grandfather actually, my uh, papa, he was, uh, he was like that for the longest. And now... He knows how to write a little bit, but it's very rudimentary, like first, mm-hmm. second grade stuff, you know. And uh, I still have to like, if their bills ever come in the mail or anything like that, like my mom still has to, um, you know, read them out loud, basically 
what it all says. Like my grandmother kind of catches on more than my papane. Like she gets the gist of general things, but my mom still has to like get the letter. And if there's any intricacies about it, like, okay, like this bill has to be paid by this in this date. You know, she has to make that super clear to them. Or if not, like they won't be able to get it just by reading it by themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really, like I said, it's a very sobering moment and yeah. it really makes you think about, uh, you know, how does somebody get to this point? Yeah. You know? And, and just, I mean, not only that, but like these are the people that you come from, you know, these are your I mean, not your ancestors because they're not that far removed. They're not right. dead. But like these are your relatives. These are your people. These are. You know, it's so funny how different your, yo, it's so funny how different your life can be, how drastically different your life can be and how different you can walk through life from someone that was literally just born maybe 30 years before you, Yeah. you know, yeah, just by certain circumstances. Yeah, for sure. And that's always like, you know, I think we kind of talked about this in mm-hmm. our last episode, I believe. Or something just about, like that, yeah. And I think I remember saying, you know, I never forget where I come from. Yeah. And, you know, and really trying to make the people. I think we talked about that, like, running around in the apartment and stuff. We, Yo, we be having a lot of different conversations now that we're, like, have the podcast and are living together and shit. Like, I sometimes forget when we should be recording and when we're not. Because I'm like, yo, this stuff is really interesting. Why are we not recording right now? So, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. but I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, I think it's just all about just very, yeah, like I said, never forget where you come from and just, you know, mm. who you're trying to make proud at the end of the day. And just, you know, knowing that these people have really sacrificed a lot yeah. to get here. And, you know, even though I may complain about certain things, you know, it's the least I can do at the end of the day to, you know, say, you know, I'm appreciative. I'm I'm thankful of, like, you making the the risk, you know, to come over here, you know, because, you know, without that, I wouldn't never be here. It's a lot. And you know what that also, like, makes me fucking think about, like, for real, this weird obligatory servitude we have to our gente not that far removed from us like our abuelitos our parents our uncles things like uh, people like that and at the same time like us wanting to pursue the things that we want to pursue you know i've always felt sometimes it's like part of me wants to go forth and do the things that i want to do because i owe my grandparents this much or i owe the people before me this much and then the part of me is like no like i want to pursue this unconventional way of life because i want to do it for my own dreams and i feel like that's something that immigrant children especially first uh, first generation children really struggle with allowing ourselves to be selfish allowing ourselves to always trying to remember where we come from of course still wanting to you know make the people before us proud but at the same time it's like you know but also wanting to like shape our own identity uh i just think that's a really tricky thing to navigate yeah it is but i think it's also very important to i I think i think of it in a sense where you have to kind of display that you're this Mm -hmm. but at the same time you're not you're not going to compromise this so what I mean by that is you you need to show and actually prove that you are this very given person, that you're you're able to stick your neck out for somebody and help them when the time is needed. But that's not going to change the fact that I'm going to be going this route in life. You know, yeah, and I'm like always- I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, like if ever I 
uh, to always give back to you, mommy. But also you have to know that I'm going to go my own route in in getting what I need to get, you know, and surviving and living my yeah. own life. And know? I've never and I've never been uh I've never been afraid to be selfish. And you know I, I don't think I I have. Uh, let me tell you, I have. I, I've yes. never been afraid to be selfish. And you know, just because I look at yeah. I, you know, I feel like by me displaying my certain ambitions, certain thing, I, you know, I'm showing respect to them first. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm letting them know like, hey, you know. I'm my own man at the end of the day, you know, and this is what I have to do for myself, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to be here for y'all. Y'all know that. I've, I've shown and proved so many times. So y'all yeah. know I'm always going to be here. But, you know, it's my time kind of thing. Yeah. And, it, and it's just, you know, kind of just keeping a well, a well balance of that, you know. Like, cause I've, That's some real I, shit. I, I could give some so many examples, man. I've, I've, like, had, like, cousins stay at our house and, like, cousins with, like, you know, her three daughters and me getting up at seven every single morning to take – Take her, to her to work, and her mm. take her, take the mom to work, take the daughter to school, and I feel like a dad doing that for like six months or however Same. long, the, however long the uh, the uh, the school semester lasts. Yeah. You know, feeling like a dad yeah. doing that every single day. And you just you don't think about it, man. Like that's just something that you automatically automatically do. It's family, and you know, yeah. you know. Uh, one of these days, they've done so much for you just by laying down the groundwork. You know, you're you're here because of them. It's the very least that, you know, we can do. Well, I bring up that particular situation because, you know, they haven't really been anything for me. You know, mm-hmm. they're family, but they're not really, you know, they haven't really done anything in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I bring up that example to say that there came a point where I was like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, you know, I know they need help. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. like I know y'all need help, but I can't keep doing this forever. Not if it gets in the way of your shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I can't keep getting up at 7 a.m. in the morning when I could be sleeping and resting because I have to work, you know, later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and those are the moments where, like, I know it sounds selfish, but I think there is um, a time where you have to say something. And if you don't, you know, it's just going to continue. They're going to keep using you in, in a way that you probably don't want to do. You know, even though you don't probably don't mind helping them, you know, they're, you can't keep being an asset to somebody there's a there's a there's a whole thing about being able to set boundaries and i think for an immigrant or even you know just minority children in general you know whether you're from whether you're asian whether you're muslim whether you're black you know i think that a lot of times we have trouble setting boundaries uh for within our families and within our parents and being able to like be selfish because we feel such an obligation for the people that you know that are around us and that love us and we have such a community-based mindset you Mm -hmm. know uh but no i feel you i feel you it's important it's very important to set those boundaries and very important to make that distinction for real for real also i think that another thing that we wanted to touch on on the docket is uh speaking of communities is uh we wanted to talk just a little bit because we this has been uh recorded almost an, an entire week after the election results happened and obviously uh if you're listening to this then we already know that uh joe biden and kamala harris have uh, won as pre- president elect and vice president elect for the uh, united states you know technically it's still not over <laughs> you know there's still are some they vote. still fucking counting votes there's still some counting still going on what like alaska was just announced like what two days ago or something like I that i mean but the- yeah. Like, come on, Trump. Like, uh, at no. some point, like, you got to admit yeah. defeat, bro. It's over. Like, yeah, don't get, you, like, you can't be out here being a sore know, loser, dog. You, know, you just can't do that shit. Count, count all the votes because, you know, technically it's the right thing to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah it's over at this point. Yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. no. Wait, it's like the last time I checked, he was like 294. Like, and the minimum is 270. So he's out. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, he just needs to concede. But yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, I think there actually is a time limit where you have to like concede. You have to fold like yeah. inde- inevitably, inevitably. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, and I think that the reason that we wanted to uh, touch on that a little bit was. I think the thing that really kind of peeved me off, and I guess I'm keeping it PC, but like, hell, like, the thing that really pissed me off, uh, at least a little bit earlier on in the election, like the first couple of days that they were still counting the votes, was when they all this news started coming out as far as the Cuban Latino vote, um, specifically in Florida and different places like that, saying that um, it such was and just such. Florida. Yes, but they were saying that these votes, the Latino vote, and this is what their verbiage is really what bothered me more than anything else, because stats are stats, you know, but they were saying that the Latino vote was really what was keeping Trump afloat, you know, Mm -hmm. they were saying that these were the people that were voting for him, and how could they go against, um, you know, their people and someone who's obviously not for him and obviously against DACA and this, that and the other. And it just made me, it just annoyed me in so many fucking ways. I can't even begin to tell you. Now, so you were annoyed of like the way they were portraying the people? So was it, was it the portrayal of the overall uh, like Latino Hispanic vote or was it the way they were portraying the people down in Florida? I think what annoyed me was, I mean, there were several things, but one of the things that really bothered me, bothered me was the fact that this is 2020 and white folks are still not even understanding what the term Latino even really means. You know, like they still think that Latino is this big ass umbrella that they can sort of microscope into like, oh, if all Cubans are voting for or the majority of Cubans are voting for Trump, they can go on a public news outlet to millions of people and say all Latinos are voting for Trump, which is not the fucking same. We are not a monolith. You know, we are made up of Puerto Ricans, of Venezuelans, of Cubans, of Mexicans, of so many different kinds of people and to put things out there like that puts us all under one branch and i feel like literally latinos and are probably one of the most diverse group of people in the world because there's so many different different versions of us from different countries that to just to put it out there like that that we're all voting for one particular person is not just like it's not just disingenuous and unfactual, but it's completely ignorant. And that's what really got under my skin. Yeah, no, I understand. I think um, I, I kind of felt the same way because a lot of people were dogging um, mm. the Latino vote in Texas saying that yes. oh, y'all, I'm like, y'all didn't do enough. Y'all, you know, y'all were lazy. And I'm like, like, wait, wait, hold on. Do y'all see how much red is on that map? It's very, very difficult to beat that to much. turn Texas blue, yeah, first of like all. it is very difficult to do that. Florida, yeah, Florida big is big in terms of population, but it's not Texas big. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I say like you know, I think you know it was shown by the stats that Democrats did overwhelmingly pretty well. You know, even though they lost, you know, they lost the state, they did pretty well. You know, as much as they could, you know, to try to pull Texas blue. But, you know, like I said, yeah, I was seeing a lot of slander saying, like, oh, the Hispanics didn't do enough in Texas. And, like, you know, they, a lot of people pointed towards uh, a lot of the border states. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were red. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that a lot, you know that has been historically blue uh, a lot of times. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, see, if, if y'all, if the Hispanic really cared, you know, th- this these counties down here along the, the Rio Grande would have been blue, you know. And it was just a lot of that. But then on the flip side, 
you know, you have, you know, states like Arizona where, you know, that pretty much they, they've said that that state was saved for Biden because of the Latino vote. Yeah. So that's the that's the that's the flip side of like what happened in Florida. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I just think that overall, like to put kind of a button in this, because this is some shit that I could go on forever. Let me tell you, like, again, when we say that being Latino is not a monolith, we mean that not only does the definition uh, not only is the definition of a latino not a monolith like there are several of us that fall underneath that latino umbrella from different countries but also that the conception and the idealisms of a single latino is not a monolith you know yes we want to you know stick up for our people yes we care about you know our brothers and sisters at the border but i mean if we're if we're being really real and if we're being really honest there are also those middle class latinos that just i mean and i'm not gonna say whether this is right or wrong because this is i mean this is their prerogative and i don't have to agree with them to vote the way that i voted but uh, there's those middle class Latinos that are worried about their taxes and that did vote for Trump because they think that he does well things for the economy. And even though I don't personally agree with them, I respect their right to think differently from me because isn't that at the end of the day what we're trying to get to? Like that as black people, as Latinos, as minorities in general, yes, we have to fight for our civil rights. absolutely. fucking lutely but ideally we also want to get to a world where we don't have where we can worry about our income just as and we can vote our beliefs before we have to vote for our people obviously we're not there yet but that's what i mean when i say that the latino vote is not a monolith like let people vote however they believe you know, and you can't just put anyone under their umbrella, uh, under the umbrella, not for the definition of what a Latino is and not for the definition of what they believe, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. And I think that would kind of like take a lot more research and insight as to why, mm-hmm. you know, let's, yeah, let's take Florida, for example, you know, why do, why do Latinos in Florida have such a more bigger role and more acceptance of like what trump has to offer as opposed to you know latinos and other you know th- i mean that takes and, that's a, and then we could go do a whole separate podcast on that because you know that takes a lot of research and shit but right, absolutely right. Yeah. yeah so yes yeah, it's, it's just about it's just like 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 you said you know even if you may not like it even if you disagree it's all about at the end of the day not putting people in, in this certain box saying that you have to think this way you have to mm-hmm. do this thing you know because, yeah, there's a lot of people who are Latino that voted for Trump that, yeah, I disagree with. But I'm not going to be I'm not going to shame you over it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have your own personal reasons. And like, I, I want to get to a point where we can all feel where we can all feel that safe in a way where we don't feel like we have to vote for our basic civil rights. Like I said, I don't think that we're there yet. Um, but, you know, if you did vote that way then you know uh bigger big ups to you you know i mean that's not me but that's you and i'm not gonna judge you for it you know so at least you voted you know i know some people out here that didn't even vote so like that's the people i got a problem with but whatever but uh uh so the next thing that we wanted to talk about is i don't know this is actually a good segue into the next thing on our docket uh, is whether or not we believe that 2021, since, you know, it's near the end of the year and everything, is actually going to turn out to be better than 2020. Ricardo, your thoughts? Uh, no. 
I don't think it's gonna get better, but I don't think it's gonna get worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we're talk really, to me. I think we're gonna see a a big recovery period. In terms of what? Everything. Mm-hmm. You know, just getting back to going to the movies. You know, getting back to going to concerts, maybe little by little. Um, maybe not having to wear a mask. You know, every to every single facility. You know, you know, recently the. Uh, that vaccine was announced by uh, by Pfizer, which I have a big problem with Pfizer, the company. But, I mean, who knows if the vaccine will be effective once it actually starts being released to the uh, to the public. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's going to be very uh, recovery mode, very rehab ish. You know, think of that patient that just got out of rehab and is like trying to do the best they can to not relapse and fall back into uh, a dark pit. And I think that's where the world and specifically America is going to be at, you know, just a very scared person coming out of a facility, trying to navigate themselves back into a society. The most hilarious thing that I think about every time I think about the year 2020 in general is uh, like um, December of 2019, you know, when everyone was uh, using that all like all those memes and all those uh, retweets of 2020 vision, you know, 2020 is going to be my year, this, that and the other, which, you know, people people do all the time you know like december just that brings that brings that mode that mood out in human beings you should know you love new year's resolutions yes yes i love new year's (laughs) new year's resolutions are my shit you know um but i didn't think that 2020 was gonna be like necessarily better than the other you know I, i i love that shit but basically like everybody was on that on this whole like put 2020 already in the pedestal before it happened right and obviously it ended up, you know, spawning some of the most catastrophic life changing things that have happened, not just in America, but in the world, you know, with obviously COVID and all these different civil right civil right movements and different things like that. Do I think that 2021 is going to be better than 2020? No. But at the same time, I don't think that 2020 was the worst thing ever. You know, obviously, this is a running joke of, well, running joke and running seriousness for most people that, you know, 2020 brought a lot of bad things. Here's the thing. Here's what I believe. I believe that 2020 brought a lot of destruction, brought a lot of mess, brought a lot of harm to a lot of people. Lives were lost. Definitely. That goes without saying. But so does a volcano. You know, and when you think about what happens when like Mount Vesuvius erupts, you know, in Pompeii, you know, yes, like things are burned down, awful things happen, you know, like uh, uh, wildlife is lost, et cetera, et cetera. But after a while, new land grows and call me naive, call me ever hopeful. But I believe that this is that's going to be basically the same thing that happens with 2021 is that once all of this stuff that happened with all these tragedies that happened with COVID and with the civil rights and the things that spawned the civil rights to begin with that shouldn't have happened, you know, with police brutality, todo eso. We are going to learn so much from all of this. We're going to, hopefully when we come out of this, we're going to take less things for granted. Hell, like, when you think about it, if this whole COVID mess didn't happen, then... Trump probably wouldn't have uh, lost the election. Trump probably wouldn't have lost the election. And that's uh, something to think about as well. You know, um, 
uh, all of like this disaster of a year that happened prob probably spurned a lot of people that were in the middle ground to vote against him and that's part of the reason probably why he lost but basically all of that for me to say is that um at the end of the day i don't think that this year this year was bad but i believe that it was bad for a reason and it was bad for um if you don't learn, if you do not learn how to constructively make the best out of a situation or know that it's always, it's such cliches, but every cliche in the fucking world is true, that it's darkest before the dawn, then we know that, like, better shit is coming, like, already, like, things are getting better, you know, and it's, and it's, I mean, that's just life, bro, like, it's, it ebbs, and it flows, and things are always gonna get better before it gets darker, and then it's gonna get darker again, and then it's gonna get better, and 2020 is just, like, a very dramatic example of that, you know, for better, for worse, for everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the same thought process as you when it came to everything that went on this year, you know, it was very traumatic, it was very, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, disheartening to see everything that was going on, but, yeah, I mean, I'm a very... I, I always like to put things in perspective. Me, personally. Yeah. I always like to look at the bigger picture and, like, the history of the world. And I'm like, exactly. yes, this is terrible. But at least it wasn't, you know, the Crusades. Or, you know, just... I start, but I, if it brings us together as a community, if it shows us, like, man, if we let shit get any worse than this, then, then we're in deep, deep shit, then we can correct ourselves. You know, like, this... Like, all these tragedies happen so we don't have to, so we can learn from them. And, I mean, I'm not saying that it's it's a good thing that they happened. It's, it's fucking not. But if we don't move forward, then what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, of course. I, I think, me personally, I don't ever see myself stopping, no matter how how hard the, uh, what's the saying? How hard the... the... How hard the climb... How yeah, hard the grind? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, Are you, you quoting know, Miley Cyrus or T.I.? I can't no, tell no, right now. No, no, no. Just, you know, throw in whatever metaphor you want to throw in for, mm. you know, upscaling a difficult task. But things that have happened, you know, throughout the course of history and, you know, the world and just how we overcome them, you know, says a lot about the, re the resiliency of humans overall. And I think it, for me, I think I really saw a lot of, like, the best of humanity during this year. Absolutely. But I, but I also saw a lot of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and saw, you know, who really doesn't care. Because if you can have, like, all this stuff um, happening in the world, but you still choose to act like a very selfish and just just evil human being, I'm like, you know, at that point, I'm like, all right, bro. You're kind it of like a lost cause. It shows you really down for you, not just for you as an individual, but you as a community, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So... Like I said, I think that this whole and you, you, yeah, you're right when you said the whole thing about Trump possibly winning if all this never happened. Yeah, I think it. I think he if this COVID, if police, the whole you know civil rights with uh with George Floyd and you know everything else with Breonna Taylor and just everything that's happened never happened. I think you know we probably would have seen uh, he probably uh re Trump reelected. You know mm -hmm. because I think there was so much piled on top of him. That if he didn't, at least in the eyes of his uh, supporters, manage to even, you know, bring a solution to at least one of it, you know, mainly the COVID thing, you know, because I don't think his supporters mainly care about the police brutality thing. But, you know, we we can, you know, I believe that he didn't really, you know, do enough to, you know, stop the COVID spread, you know, and it's still going on. 
So, and I think probably a lot of his supporters probably woke up and eventually saw that themselves and kind of like, you know, switched sides. That's the middle ground because if we're honest, most people are in the middle anyway. You know, you can say extreme left or extreme right, this, that, or the other, but the most of us, the majority of us are just, just want to live, bro. We just want to be safe. We just want to have food on our tables. We just want to be treated as decent human beings. Like, we're not asking for much, bro. We are asking for the bare minimum and maybe a little bit more. You know, and like that's it. It doesn't not, not have to be fucking complicated. And those people in the middle, those are the people that Trump lost the vote to this year. And that's why we're at the place that we're at now. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say I, I like being hopeful. I like be, I'm a very optimistic person, mm-hmm. but I'm not someone that makes New Year's resolution. I'm not one that puts all my eggs in the basket. Yeah, I'm not the one that puts all my eggs in the basket. I'm not. The one who makes New Year's resolution. But, you know, I'm not going to ever tell somebody to not have hope mm-hmm. and to not, you know, look forward to what next year brings. So if you think next year is going to bring a lot more better, you know, especially if you went through a difficult time with like losing your job and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, maybe getting sick and maybe losing a loved one due to the pandemic. You know, I hope next year brings a lot more happiness in your life. Question, Ricardo: What is the best? What is one of the best, and what is one of the worst things that happened to you in twenty uh, twenty? One of the best, Money. I think. One of the best was probably because of everything that was going on. I think it kind of like pushed me to really go after things a little bit harder mm-hmm. than I usually do. You know, I started. Uh, remember, I told you I was going to go to the Peace Corps. Yeah. At one point, and yeah, and I yeah. was, I really was. I was like signed up all the applications, but then I, you know, then I signed, then I applied for these uh, orders to the Navy. Yeah. And then I eventually got those, and once I got those, you know, I kind of had to put the Peace Corps thing aside, and here I am now. So I just kind of just started taking a lot more risk with everything going on, and I just kind of said to myself, you know, even though everything's kind of on standby, I can't slow down. So mm-hmm. it just kind of, you know, even with like the podcast and all that, you know, I, it, for me it's like very therapeutic because I'm like I got to keep doing something. You know, yeah. Even if you, you know, gotta keep creating. Gotta keep creating. You know, even if like nobody listens, you know, for me it's still something that I love doing, especially like with you, and that you know I just, you know, I really, at the end of the day, really appreciate just being able to be in a very blessed position. Like mm-hmm. I said, I I don't take anything for granted. You know, I'm always gonna be, you know, even mm-hmm. on, under under the most dire circumstances. You know, I'm always gonna be thankful for all that. So that's the good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Worse? Uh, I mean, it's like little things. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, just, you know, movies and not being able to like, you know, concerts, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, even like conventions, um, just, you know, the social aspect of it, you know, right. it just, we're, 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 we're social, we're conditioned to be social by nature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to get that, to have that stripped to have that whole concept of being social, even like when it came to the point, even like your family, you know, when you had like certain people in your family that that may have been sick and they had to be quarantined, and just the idea that you couldn't go that see them, real, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah that that's probably what like st- struck the most to me, and just you know, it being a reality and just knowing people that were going through the through that sickness and just being like, oh crap, I haven't seen them in like two weeks, or maybe they're so paranoid that they didn't want to leave their house for like the next two months. You know, so that to me has probably been the worst part of all this, uh, just that loss of connection. But, you know, of course, we had the phones and all that. So, you know, we're closer than ever. You know, it doesn't mean you can't contact somebody, but that face to face is always something that's very crucial, at least in my eye. 
2019 was my fucking year. Like, let's just start that off. Like, 2019, I was doing the shit. I was thriving. I was surviving. Like, everything was all good, right? And so when 2020 hit, I mean, automatically, it got off. Okay, so two of the worst things that happened to me in 2021, I lost a really, really great job. Um, And two, I basically uh disconnected from a really 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 long-term relationship and uh both of those things just sort of like struck me at my core and my ego you know and and when things like your occupation and your relationship to other people are stripped from you you go through one of the it's it's ironic because sometimes the worst things that happen to you end up being some of the best things that happen to you in the long run and because part of my identity felt like it was stripped from losing all of those things from losing uh people in my life from losing jobs from different things like that I feel like some of the best things that happened to me in 2020 was one just having lost so much you know, when you came up to me and you gave me, you know, you gave me this idea of, hey, why don't we move move in together? Hey, why don't we, you want to start this like whole podcast project? Let's go ahead and do it. What the hell? Like whenever those opportunities were put on me, I was able to be in such a space of like, what do I have left to lose? You know, like what the fuck? Why not? You know? And I feel like sometimes when you lose so much, it gives you more space and more room to invite other things and other changes in your life and so that's actually so sometimes so the worst things that have happened to me like losing certain relationships losing jobs has also been some of the best things that happened to me because they've helped me you know really come out here and make some of my dreams that I thought wouldn't that sometimes I thought would never happen come true and so I mean I guess to top it all off what me and Ricardo are saying human beings is that 2020 is full of like really really bad and also a lot of really really good and you know what 2021 will be filled with a lot of the same so yeah and I guess if there's one other thing I could say that you know maybe 30 years down the line 40 years down the line when you're like a an old person you know and you're fortunate enough to have maybe grandchildren you can or your children of your own you know you can let them know like hey i was a part of a. I remember what it was like during that year yeah you know i mean i'm so fucking through with being part of history though like for real for real like i did not like i'm so done we have been through so many historic things but let's like let's not dive into that but i yeah, love yeah, yeah. i love being part of history i'm serious like this year has been like the first for so many things but with all of that being said, I think it is about time, human beings, that we start diving into our favorite segment, a Good Looking Out. So this is the segment at the end of every show where we go ahead and we break you off a piece of what we've been really into lately. It can be music, it can be movies, it can be TV shows, what have you. Today, for this week, I want to go ahead and tell you about a movie on Netflix that has been on my list of things to watch for actually the past month or so. And I finally got to it and I'm super glad I did. So uh, this movie is called uh, 40-Year-Old Version. It is written and directed and starred by uh, the fabulous Rada Blank. 
and uh, produced by Lena Waithe herself. So this is a movie that was uh, first premiered in the Sundance Film Festival and um, Rada did go ahead and she actually won the Best Director Award uh, at the film festival for this movie. Basically what it is, 40-Year-Old Virgin is a black and white film that tells the story of a 30 some of a late 30-something year old woman that about like 10 years or so ago won the best 30 under 30 award from Forbes and basically she was a really up-and-coming playwright in her youth but but she never made anything of it. She ends up being a more or less a theater teacher for uh, these kids in a school and um Meanwhile, she's still trying to get her uh, playwright and different things off of the ground. Really, the meat of the movie comes when she has to more or less choose between wanting to get her play off the ground, which is now going to be produced by this guy who wants to change up a lot of things. So she feels like she's being a sellout and making a mixtape because she's because she's reignited her love for uh, freestyling and things like that from when she was in high school. I love this movie for so many reasons. Not only is the acting impeccable, not only is it really funny, not only does it give me Spike Lee vibes, Spike Lee slash The Office vibes without it being either of those two things at all, but it tells us it tells a very unique story from a perspective that you don't see a lot, which is the story of someone without, um, what's it called, a uh, success bias. You know how whenever we hear, uh, whenever we see people on the best of, uh, like the best entrepreneur, the best top 20 entrepreneur list of, you know, 2020 or something like that, we never get to hear about number 19. We never get to hear about the people that didn't make it or the people that, you know, um, had one level of stardom for 15 seconds of fame and then basically had to figure out how to really make their name known after that because it's really just a flick it's really just um just a small light for a second and then they have to and then they have to go back to their regular lives and that's what this story was for for rada for rada blank who got best 30 under 30 and basically had to go back to her old life and had to figure out whether what she really wanted to be and the main themes in this movie that I get so passionate about, uh, self-definition when it comes to age and fear, you know, the fact that she's almost 40 and still going towards these really unconventional ways of pursuing her dreams anyway, and also making this argument of when are you too good to sell out? You know, like, um, is there some sort of sacrifices that should be made for the sake of art? Or should you go forth and... Um, chase after a dream exactly the way you wanted and how you wanted like damn everything else and the thing I'm not going to give the ending away for this movie but I love how this but I'm just going to tell you I love how this movie does not give you any answers and I definitely definitely recommend it I thoroughly and I think that you would love it Ricardo if you sat down and watched it I give it a solid 8.5 to 9 out of 10 um, Veronica stars for sure okay yeah, that sounds very, very interesting. And especially when, when you bring up the fact that, you know, it's all about that person that never got that, that break mm-hmm. because exactly. as somebody who makes beats and somebody who samples, you love this, like old, obscure uh, music, you know, I always um, sympathize with the, with these records that I, that I find 
and that you're essentially bringing back to life because these are records that people who are extremely talented but just never got that break you know and this, this is, is like, all gonna be all up in your shit i promise and this is like your your chance to like really let people know like hey this record is dope uh i flipped it in my way and now you can finally hear what i hear mm-hmm. so yeah definitely it sounds very uh phoenix like mm-hmm. if i could describe you know coming from the ashes yeah to yeah, be yeah. great again so mine is a little different it's not music it's not a movie it's not even a tv show it's actually a uh, a youtube video that i recently saw and it's uh it's very short it's uh, only two minutes and 30 seconds long and it's from this channel uh called un what was it called again it's called our poetica so it's just a channel dedicated to poetry and they invite different um poets well-renowned and also very you know underground independent poets to come and read um their work and uh i found one recently by uh a woman called savannah brown and i've followed her youtube youtube channel for a couple couple a couple years now and um but i've never really listened to much of her poetry because most of her videos kind of focus more on um different subjects you know she she talks about her poetry for sure and a lot of her videos definitely showcase that side of her but it's not exclusively just poetry the poem that she read was from one of her newest works and it's like a collection of poems in this book i think it's called sweet dark and this one in particular is called the universe may stop expanding in five billion years and it really talks about how the unfairness of time that even though all this is going to come to an end one day it's still important to like appreciate those little things in life yo we going deep on this episode broski okay okay i see you yeah so even even if you find them you know dumb or maybe unimportant you know they, they still hold like a very special part uh within you you know even if nobody else recognizes it you know just appreciate what it is to have the the luxury of time right now as you have it because one day even Ooh, if I, truth even though five billion years seems like a long 2020 also taught us that yeah, yeah. even but though yeah. Fi, even though five billion years seems like forever away mm-hmm. it is all gonna eventually you know um uh, get out of here and uh one there was one part of the poem that i really like where it says let's see imagine please a better continuum you say earlier doesn't feel right and you're right not because there wasn't anything exceptional about the heat in early afternoon not because our chin sticky with cider was a notable pip in this quivering glitch of a life but because it was too ordinary to even remember because we'll someday ache for any regular sunday in june you can hear that folks that's me snapping right here and that like really stuck with me because mm-hmm. it, it pretty much talks about that when it all finally comes to the end we will be begging for just that regular boring sunday that we may just be sitting on our couch watching you know the simpsons yeah, yeah you know yeah. when it finally comes crashing that's down some hunger game shit yeah when, yeah. We fi- when it finally comes crashing down um the last thing in the poem it says i don't want to give too much away from it but the very last line says um in- indication the cosmos will one day shut like your eyes tight with pleasure i love that shit i love that shit human beings okay me so, gente. so yeah so it's a very like i said it's, it's two minutes and 30 seconds the video just type in uh youtube uh the universe may stop expanding in five billion years 
or just uh, Google or YouTube Savannah Brown and you'll I'm pretty sure it'll pop up. Yeah, yeah. Send that shit to me, Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, mi gente, I think that about covers it. Uh let's see. Uh that's about it for this episode. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Uh, and we will see you next week on the In Living Spanglish Podcast. <laughs>